0: This is the Detroit is Different Podcast Network, the culture of an American classic city. You're listening to the Piper Carter Podcast on the Detroit is Different Podcast Network.
1: Dear Governor Snyder, I sent you to drink the water that Flint drinks. Can you give your kids the water the color of Hennessy? We can't sell these houses. We can't even afford to leave. Dear neighbor, I'm writing in hope that you care, that I can't breathe, and all these toxins you put in the air, you're killing me, my son's so out of breath, he can't chase his dreams, diagnosed with asthma, age three, with all this soot on his lungs, blacker than me, then Mr. Marathon, you're killing me, pollution fills my eyes, but I can still see, so if I'm poor, you can't ask for me, but that doesn't mean that I'm worthless, created and God. Image we all perfect. Yeah, yeah. I know people that went to the hospital and never, never made it back. lungs, yeah, so all bad. black. Bad. A whole generation with respiratory infections me. and asthma attacks. Mr. Marathon, you killing me. me? Why you out here trying to save the world? Who gonna, who gonna save me? me? Who, 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 who gon' yeah. save me? Killing me I can't tell my house I can't me. this house these factories. Ooh, Ooh. nobody yeah. cares yeah. Killing me Marathon, I'm right across the street, you know, 4 a right here. yeah, government, why you trying to save the world, who gon' save me, poison fills the air, then takes over trees, there's poison in the grass, that's what the cows eat, then you chop it all up, and then you feed it to me, is a refinery, you killing me, you killin' me, this waste water, you killing me, I'm poor, you care less for me But that doesn't mean that I'm worthless Created in God's image, we all perfect They missed the marathon you killing me Tell nobody care you're killing me Who gon' care for me? This way killing me Tell nobody care you me can't sell
2: my house, I can't afford to lay who gonna buy this house next to these who, 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 me. Welcome back to the Piper Carter Podcast You are listening to Piper Carter on Detroit Is Different And I am in the studio with The Token Millennial What's up, Brittany? Hi, Piper So It's been this, a minute It's been a minute and also, too, um... Can we just say that the news cycle has been pretty exciting? Yeah, it has been. Yeah. Um, well, why do you say that? Well, I'll say that there's so many interesting stories. Like, I really want to lead with this Harriet thing. Let's do it. But before we get into that, did you hear or see about Ti? I did. Okay, let's did, hear what let's hear what you heard first.
3: I just saw the headlines okay that stated that he goes with her to get her checkup. Who's her? His daughter. Mhm. He goes with his daughter to get her pap smear or he goes with her to get her annual checkup. Annual checkup and his reason being per what two of the article had said that he wanted to ensure that she was not having sex.
2: Okay. So the details are really important for this. Okay. So in general, that's, that's kind of sort of it. Okay. Um, But more specifically, the issues are that it's about body autonomy. You know what that is? body autonomy? Yeah. Like DNA is set of No. Oh. It's the right for a person to have the the say or the ownership of their own body. Got you. Okay. As opposed to someone having ownership over your body.
3: Body autonomy. Yep. Got you.
2: We'll talk more about that because ironically, let me tell you how ironic this is. Yesterday I got a call from one of the international groups And there's going to be a conference here. And one of the subjects is body autonomy and democracy. And they've asked me to speak on body autonomy and democracy and what that has to do with black women's Mm. bodies. That's deep. And then right after I got that call to speak on the panel, which is the conference coming up the end of this month or in like two weeks, this news cycle thing happens. And I'm like. Whoa. So basically, there's a couple issues here. My personal issue is, number one, um, if he were talking about sexual health and talking about, you know, being a loving father and taking care of his daughter's health and, you know, making sure that, you know, he's there to support her health, that's a different conversation to me than basically saying, yeah, I, I check her out to make sure that her hymen's in place and no one's had sex with her. Was he serious? He was serious. The crazy thing is he was serious. To him, in his mind, he thinks that's being a good father. And that's the height of patriarchy, right? And he even said in the article, right, uh, that the doctor, well, a few things. The doctor told him, number one, about the consent issue, which was that, you know, she needs to consent. And he basically was like, there, you, you consent? Yeah, okay, boom. That's a, that's what you call, I mean, I don't care what anyone says, but that's classic abuse. Like, that's, that's what abuse looks like. And people are going to say, oh, pipe, that's so far, that's so harsh. But that's... Part of psychological abuse ownership like a person having ownership over another person regardless of relationship right because it's like oh that's her father he's supposed to have ownership over her no this was to guide and protect ownership is some other whole patriarchal thing and it's not like you know the conversation was around her and her you know being you know healthy Right. it w- It's more around men because his whole thing is, I mean, you know, quote, I made sure that, you know, no man's going to want her. Who wants a virgin? So there's some you, you understand what I'm saying. Right. Mm-hmm. So the whole reasoning is like, wow. So there's that. But then there's also so that's an issue. Right. That's one. Let's put like, you know. we're ticking off our list and then so the another issue is like why is he on an interview like talking about this it's not like you understand what i'm saying like he was actually you know given permission to like speak on this it's like he's just speaking on this you feel me yeah I'm just trying to, so was it on his podcast? Well, some Madame Noir did an interview and it was on their podcast. They have a podcast where they, um, well, the subject of the podcast was like, you know, um, life hacks. And it was life hacks for parents. And it was like how to be a good parent, like what you need to do to be a good parent. So that was his, of all the life hacks that you could have to be a good parent, that's his advice to parents. Of being a quote-unquote good parent.
3: And his daughter is 18?
2: 18 in college. And he was saying how every year he takes her. There's so many issues that's like linked to that. Not only that, he, in the same interview, talked about how with Tiny, she can't be quote-unquote stingy with her vagina either because of their marriage contract, half of her vagina belongs to him so when he wants it he he's got to have it she can't deny him or refuse him wow now women have come like a long way not just women society has come a long way with that particular issue right that whole issue of consent right has been already declared in marriage or a so called marriage agreement that if a woman or a person decides that they are not having sex, they don't they're not they don't want to have sex, they don't consent to sex, right? That's not what they want, and then the other person is like, in any way because if you say, you know, oh, that's half of mine but that's still coercion, right. So, if in any way you take it, whether by force or by coercion, that's rape. Now, people might say pipe, that's real far. But a woman, we're talking body autonomy, a woman has the right, and regardless of the right, like my grandfather wouldn't do nothing like that to my grandmother. Either grandfather would never do nothing like that to either grandmother. Okay? I've had these specific conversations with both my grandparents, God. Rest in peace to all of them. And yeah, like, that's not how you get down. A person has a right to their body. And in marriage, you don't say like, well, that's half of mine. And when I want it, headache or not, whether you feel like it or not, you better give it to me. Because if you don't, then, you know what I'm saying? I need to go find things elsewhere. Like, that's not the way marriage is, that's not marriage, you understand what I'm saying, like, that's some controlling stuff, and then, so that's an issue, and another issue is around, you know, this, this idea of, I mean, the whole, it's just so much layered patriarchy in all of it, is like, We could go on for days. This could be like an entire show, but it's supposed to be a Harriet show. And this is only supposed to be our little couple of minutes on this one topic. But we obviously got to visit this many more times again and deconstruct this. Mm -hmm. The levels of crazy. The levels of crazy. But let me tell you something. Am I shocked? No, I'm not shocked. It makes sense. And then it makes sense, too, how let's inverse the equation when tiny was accused of giving some vagina to mayweather it, right he was going nuts um you know his older daughter has a baby by some random rapper so what is ti going through that he suddenly has to talk about this archaic way of being, right? This archaic, you know, nonsense that he's talking about. So archaic. And I get it. You're a father. Like, you you want to protect your daughter. You want her to be safe. And all this other stuff. Number one, it's unsafe going on public and talking about your daughter's sexual anything without her consent. Two, it's like the... The doctor, you're saying, like, oh, the doctor, you know, whatever, right? Like, the doctor is telling you, you know, that this is not cool what you're doing. But basically, he's basically letting folks know, like, yeah, you know, I run I run things. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, uh, it's like so much. I could go on and on and on with this topic, as you can see.
3: Well, I mean... Uh, sometimes the ego blinds us from seeing the magnitude of what we're saying. And Mm -hmm. I think that, um, I I was just talking to someone earlier about ego and how I'm learning you can't look at it so linearly when you talk about it and what Mm -hmm. it does to you. But I'll say with T.I., I think he, he, he has good in him. No, I'm and not saying. Well, no, 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 no. I'm not alluding to that. You're not, but I'm getting to a point that mm-hmm. um, I think that he lives a lot through his ego, and even with when that meshes with the good, his good traits of wanting to be perceived as being a good dad and wanting to be perceived as a, a as a person that cares about what his kids are doing, especially specifically his daughter. I don't think because he lives in his ego a lot, I don't think he realizes the things that he says and i don't think that he puts as much weight on it as he probably should i'll just say that i noticed him saying like a lot of things with such confidence and such diction and sometimes it's still like what but i don't know pipe i just feel like um <laughs> it's it's definitely weird that he would say something like that about his daughter but or even uh, do something like that. But at the same time, I think it goes to show you, like, his
2: insecurities as a man. So, Or as a father. Yeah. Right? Because, like, I'm just going to just go on a limb here and just think, hmm, what has he done that he's out here worried like that? Come on, now. I'm just, just saying. I mean, I'm not, you know. I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> so what are the, what are the, what are what are people
3: saying about him? Are they trying to cancel him? Like, what's the what's
2: well? The general- it's the whole gambit. Like, I'm gonna be honest with you. My Lyft driver, when I told her, she was with it. I can't say nothing because I just wanted to get home safe. But I was thinking, like, she's nuts. She don't even understand the issue. Um, I feel like... Some folks think that that's good parenting. You know? That's a a thing. Like, that some folks are like, oh, you know, that's him being a good parent. I feel like... You know why people say that, though, right? Well, because I'm being honest with you, because of patriarchy.
3: Or, I mean, to break that down, I mean, the narrative of black men being involved in raising and rendering children, especially young women, is like a little fragmented. So I think that when you have a a person like with his type of influence and power who has a family show where, again, that's part of his you know his makeup is him being a quote unquote good father whatever that means um people are going to perceive it as that like he's around he ain't he ain't, he may be out here doing things with women or have relationship issues with tiny uh he may be a rapper he may have been arrested he may have had tons of guns but what i think people like to perceive him as is at least he takes care of his kids so i think that like people would much rather have a man that needs to learn how to render children than a man that's not trying at all. And I think that's why some of the reactions are of people of saying like, you know, he's that's, that's good that he ain't laying her life like that, that she ain't he ain't He being sure she ain't being a hoe or stuff like that. I'm sure people are saying that.
2: Well, part of the other issue is, I mean, uh, well, she's first of all, Like, I'm going to sound like real crazy right now, but we're acting as if like sex is bad. I mean, it depends. The whole reason we're on this freaking planet is to have sex with other people and procreate. Like on a scientific level, right? I mean, on a scientific level, the whole reason we're here is for us to create more, more beings on this planet. Yeah. Let's start with that. Okay. mm -hmm. Now. The fact that people have you know i mean and and so that's one that's one way right like some people you know may disagree so let me just understand that some people may disagree but my thing is we're acting like sex isn't natural like you know what i'm saying like 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 attraction and and sexuality are like like oh she's out here hoeing i mean Scientifically, you're able to, you know, have sex younger, which is, you know, why it's nefarious for older people to take advantage of that. But what I'm saying is, is like, how can we get to a point where we're having better and healthier conversations about sex and sexuality as opposed to who's a hoe, who's not a hoe, like as if, you know, like people are not human because they sell their bodies like you know the humanity is erased from the humanity it's like it's turned into like oh she's a whole like her whole humanity is erased from like her being or his being or whatever and I guess what I'm my point is that you know we we have to get to a point where we're actually respecting you know life you understand what I'm saying? It's like people mm-hmm. get too much into these ideals and, you know, theories and things like that. And, yeah, you know, we were we were taught that, like, your body, and it is true, your body is sacred. That's the seat of creation, you know, especially once you get into, like, you know, goddess theory and stuff like that. Especially if you study um, Dr. Jewel Pukram or if you study um, Queen of Fua. You know, that root chakra mm-hmm. region is very sacred. Well, all of you is sacred. And that creation part of you is very sacred. And so, and the idea, if we're talking about, um, you know, heterosexual, you know, uh, relationship, the idea that a man you know enters a woman is like the energies right Mm -hmm. that are that are entering you know her vessel right to be able to connect and you know on that level and so there's a whole bunch of uh, science behind it and a whole bunch of spirituality behind it but in general right um we we all know that you know, there's connections, there's attraction, there's, right? And we know that energy is real and we know there's a negative energy and we know that when that's violated, right, that 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 people, you know, carry those negative energies with them, yeah. internalize them, they become a part of your makeup, your DNA, your psyche. So all of that part is real. And I guess for me, with that type of understanding... I just feel that it's disrespectful for him to reduce her to his ego idealisticness that if her hymen's broke, she's she's useless or something. You feel me? I don't think, uh, yeah,
3: I think that he needs to understand it from that perspective. I honestly don't think he's he's seeing, I don't think he understands that. And you can tell he doesn't because of how proudly he goes, and it, it was able to articulate himself and not flinch. That's what it seems like. But what I'll say too is, is I think he's thinking more from the perspective of when you are a guy like Ti, if you have a daughter, everybody wants her just because you Ti. So again, out of ego, he's trying to protect her. Out of ego. He feels like he's that's his way of protecting. So being if a, this is the same person, and I'm not trying to read into Ti too much because I really don't. I don't. I don't want to say I don't care, but I honestly don't. But this is the same guy. That I felt like after a friend passed away, he needed to go and get like all those different types of weaponry, weaponries, and ride around with them Like he could use them all at one time. So he, I think he 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 thinks survival a lot, and so to me a person that'll ride around with all them guns that they can't use and then same guy saying he goes and takes his daughter to get
2: her checkup i mean sounds similar i get it but but um not a but i'll say i get it and i just i just feel that he shouldn't have um used social media to um, Make that point
3: I don't either I mean I would be so embarrassed By that If I was her
2: Yeah that I, I'd, I'd be so did embarrassed she, Did she say Did she make a statement I haven't seen a statement yet But maybe she'll make a statement And Besides I, that I mean I just feel That I mean I get it That him That him You know Wanting to Stand up for his daughter Or whatever you know he thought he was doing like that part i get but process wise is janky you know what i'm saying yeah that's some janky stuff to do to your daughter like just even even the idea like who does that i mean ti does that but why would you do why would you do that
3: yeah he's I, I, I can't answer that, but yeah, I, I, I don't, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't, I know I wouldn't let my dad do that.
2: Yeah. And then in the end, it's really not about her. It's about him. Him. Yeah. So it's still patriarchy. It still centers his needs. You okay go. Right. And it's just foul. There's some foul stuff to do. So now, however long she's got to deal with that backlash or whatever, you know, maybe she's over it. You know what I'm saying? But for me, my dad is
3: my dad is different, a different breed, you know, so I'm not going to I'm just I know like he's just a different, a different breed. Great guy. Love him. And um, I think a lot of men who have women or, you know, they see themselves through the women that they're with or they have, you know, experiences with a lot of different women and being with them. I think that when they have daughters, it does something to them. It makes them do weird Crazy stuff and think crazy different things, and I'm not condoning it. I think that he should take this opportunity as a as a as a uh, as a lesson. Of course, I don't mean to sound cliche, but I mean he just should. <laughs> I mean, nobody wants to that. That's no one's business about how you render your daughter from that 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 level. It's just not because again, you're making it about you, and it's it's about her. Yeah. So I, I'm with you. I'm with you, but I don't think he understands the magnitude of what he's saying i don't think he's able to articulate it or perceive it the way that other people can especially women
2: i guess okay we can move on speaking of women right so speaking of women um okay how should we begin so okay I did get a chance to see the film. I, so what I did was watch the bootleg <laughs> because uh, Positives, I'm glad that- What movie? Harriet. Okay. I'm glad that um Harriet movie was seen as a good investment. And I'm going to put a period right there.
3: What do you mean from whose perspective?
2: Anyone's. I'm glad that the Harriet film, the Harriet story I got you has been so many years that people have been like, when are we going to get a Harriet film? Got you, got you, got you, got you. Yeah. So that there was a Harriet film. I'm going to just put a period there. That was great. Boom. All right. So much to unpack with this film. Let's start. Before we get into the actual film, I'll just tell you, I did not give Comcast my money. And Comcast is the parent company of the film company that Understood. made Harriet. I could not, in good conscience, do that. Um, you know, give them my money. At the same time, we have this podcast, and I know people want to hear our perspective of the film, so I did watch it bootleg. I got you. Now that's real. <laughs> the film has a black director. <laughs> okay. So the film has black actors the film has you know um some other black you know behind the scenes folks and so um want to honor that uh the controversy i would say has been interesting i i there's this youtuber and is for harriet and she's great watch her religiously I watched Her Deconstruction. I thought it was awesome. I watched... Um, there's another one called um, Infinite Possibilities. His was good. I watched um, Michael Mhotep on the African History Network. I watched Yvette Carnell and Tone Talks. And um, just a bunch of different YouTubers. I was watching their um, reactions, okay? Oh, also to um, China Fox. So there's a there's a bunch of like black YouTubers that you know I checked out to see their reviews and stuff like that. So go check out all those channels if you want to see those reviews. And I'm gonna say that I pretty much agree with what everyone said. Um, the things that I agree with, um, I'm agree. I don't like the idea. Um. That the black men um, character was like black male character, you know what I'm saying, made up. That's foul. Why, what's the need to like make up a black male character that's a slave catcher when that wasn't even a part of ever her story? I feel like that was insertion of, you know, the the insertion of a black boogeyman, you know, a whole made up black boogeyman. That wasn't ever there. I thought that was foul. I thought, you know, on the psyche. Because that's what, you know, films do. Um, I thought the acting was mediocre. It was mediocre acting. I thought, um, on the issue of should an African play an African American, um, I think what the rub is, is that there is a a lack of roles already and a lack of diversity of roles. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as, you know, we've got people making all type, you know, shouts out to Issa Rae. Mm -hmm. And even though I don't like his content, I got to give, you know, um, Tyler Perry his due for putting people to work. Yes. Um, You know, we have... You know Tracy Ellis Ross and roles like Blackish and you know there's there are you know and everyone on that show. So we 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 have seen you know like better um, content, mm-hmm. but we're not there yet. You know what I'm saying? We're not there yet, and so it is a rub. I could see to African Americans to be like you know not able to embody their ancestor right not to not be able to embody you know through that connection and and that character through that connection right so that's a rub right I get it like that yeah that's a huge one um but I will out myself I am a pan-Africanist I'm not ADOS so, you know, um I'm not I'm definitely not about to say that she has no right to play the role. You know what I'm saying? I feel like it is a rub though that a black woman, you know, from this hemisphere didn't get to do it. That 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 is that is kind of painful. Then I will say The script was mediocre and they added, you know, I understand they were trying to humanize her character and added fear and added, she was fearful at some points in the movie. Yeah. A lot through the movie. She was very fearful. And I feel that they created a Harriet that was palatable for white folks. I feel like this was a very watered down Harriet and, you know it was very palatable for white folks i do acknowledge that there although some of the characters were made up there was a diversity of blackness black being black or what black looks like you know in the film but it you know the film was a c you know i'll give this film a c minus that's
3: a that's a fair
2: it should be like a lifetime movie this was not a movie that should be in the theater this should definitely be like a lifetime movie. The quality was completely a lifetime movie.
3: Okay, so I can tell you. I mean, I grew up in the '90s, so knowing the pillars of black leaders like Harriet Tubman, the of Truth. I mean, the Martin Luther King, Malcolm X. You know, Marcus Garvey. I'm trying to think who else? Uh, Frederick Douglass. Uh who else? Am I missing anybody in those pillars? There's uh, so many. There's, uh, no, 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 no. Hear me. But through the American through the American education system. Okay. They ensure that you know the at least these people. They pedestal these oh, specific these specific people. You know, when everyone did, did a, you know, you know, fifth through ninth grade, they were doing a project on these those people I just mentioned. Okay. By the time you got to high school, you were maybe looking for somebody different because Everybody had it saturated elementary through middle school. Okay. But the point that I'm making is, is that when I think of Harriet Tubman, in short, I think of um, strength. I think of prolific. Um, I think of there's no coincidences. And I also think of how I used to think that she was mean, but fair. I always had that balance of her. Of her in my head. Um, Mean and fair for the cause of what she was doing. Um, And I don't know. It just sounds like they softened that. Was that what you're saying? Or was she never... Soften. Soften. Okay.
2: Yeah. So. Like I said, I feel like they made it palatable for white folks. Like a Lifetime movie. Right. Do you think that... That's I feel like if Ava DuVernier had made this film, it would be just as powerful as when they see us. Got you. Not, I, just, I don't think that this film has any power. Got you. They took, told, they took told, out the power.
3: They, they told a story.
2: I mean, is this. Did you feel Harriet Tubman at all? No. I mean, it's just. It's like um if you went like you, you make food. Yeah. So if you use different ingredients, it's going to come out different.
3: <laughs> Funny you say that. Yeah. Right? Yeah.
2: So if you go to make a pizza, right? Mhm. And then you go to the refrigerator and you don't have nothing to make dough and all you have is bread, you can make pizza on toast.
3: Yeah, for sure.
2: And you eat it and that's be your pizza. Mm. Very different than the pizza if you rolled the dough and had you know, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I felt like they were working on this film for
3: a while. Ten years. They did not work on this film for ten years.
2: That's what they say. I gotta see it.
3: Is it a slave movie?
2: I mean, yeah, it's a slave movie. What you talking about? I
3: mean, <laughs> I mean, like, is it a Harriet Tubman movie that it's was Harriet. a slave? Yeah. Or was it a slave movie? That what's had, the difference? The difference is is. The narrative of broadening people's perspective on the trials of slavery.
2: So I feel like that's what they think they were doing. But what I think they did is they diminished the struggle because, like, you know, like, like, you know, like they said, like they presented or told a lot of the horrors of slavery, but they didn't show it, you know, and I get it. They probably wasn't trying to traumatize people. But at the end of the day, what slavery was traumatizing and horrible and horrific. So for them to soften it so that people can watch it, like what you know, you can't I mean, this is my thing. It's soft. No, it's, I believe you. it's like baby booty soft. <laughs>
3: yeah. Um, what do you I have two questions for you in regards mm-hmm. to this. One is about Harriet Tubman in general, and then one is about um blacks, African Americans, indigenous descent. People's perspective when they say "I'm I'm done with seeing slave movies. I'm tired of slave movies." How do you feel about that when people? The say thing that? is,
2: it's terrible because it means that they have literally removed themselves from a struggle that people struggled through. That's like saying like something happens, right? Yeah, it's basically saying like I don't care. I don't want to hear about that. Is is desensitizing? is desensitizing yourself and you're trying to sanitize yourself and folks are trying to, you know, distance themselves from that legacy. But that's what happened. Slavery was atrocious and people need to know that it was atrocious. We don't have reparations because the atrociousness of slavery has never been recognized. And so, I mean, on a personal level, I think I told this story before. I'll tell it quickly again. This is personal. So, I had a friend. She used to be my friend. Mm-hmm. We used to be collaborators in art. She was a fashion stylist. I'm a photographer, a fashion photographer. She is Jewish, so-called Jewish. And we, you know, she considered herself very liberal and very progressive, and very artsy, and funky, and cool with black people, date a lot of black guys, open-minded, right? And we were cool. Like, we did all the artsy stuff together. We did lots of collaborations together. We had all these great, funky, amazing ideas together. And then one day, after, I don't know, three or four, maybe five years of collaborating, and doing all this really powerful, amazing, artistic, strong work together... We, so let me back it up. We used to do what was called testing. And when you test, that's when you work with, that's when you get with artists that you've never worked with, or sometimes you work with a lot. And it's not for a job, it's for your own artistic exploration. And so for a photographer, you might want to try out some lighting. You might want to try a new idea. You might want to work with a new team member or a whole new team or a new model. Any number of reasons that you want to test. For a stylist, you might want to, you know, do like you might be, you know, working and doing a lot of commercial work. And you want to do something a little more, you know, editorial, artistic. So you want to step outside the box a little bit. You want to, you know, get experimental, you know what I'm saying? Same thing with makeup. So you might go further than you would for a client, for a job. And it's a way to like, it's basically basically like rehearsal and like get, keeping yourselves fresh and like being creative, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we would do a lot of testing. We would come up with ideas because we'd be working and stuff and we might have done a whole bunch of jobs and stuff and we might have some leftovers Or we may have not been able to do a certain idea or not been able to find somebody to pick up an idea because they might have thought it was too radical. And then we could get together and like do the idea, right? And we could have it for our portfolios and, you know, for fun. But anywho, we would do different ideas like, you know, this chic or that chic or this chic, that chic. So one day, after five years of us doing a lot of powerful work, she comes to me with this idea and is like, Piper, you know, it'd be a dope idea. And I was like, what? She was like, slave chic. And I was like, I just looked at her. And I was like, why would you say something like that? And that started this, open up this whole can of worms. And I just told her, I was like, that's foul. I was like, you're foul and that's racist. Me and her went back and forth I want to say for like three to five hours. Our friendship ended over this conversation. But I say about three to five hours, right? Where she was like, she just, I mean, she say she didn't understand. She said she didn't understand. And I was like, how you don't understand you Jewish? And she was like, but slave, chic. You don't think that'd be like amazing? I was like, girl, I don't play around with slavery. I was like, If we're going to do an idea about slavery, I'm not doing it as a fashion idea and it's not going to be chic. I said, because that's denigrating the lives. Like people lost their lives. I'm like, you realize people were raped and beaten and tortured. I said, I'm not about to play around with that. I said, that's nothing to play with. I said, if we're going to do something, you know, related to slavery, then it'll be a serious art piece. And we'll do it if you're down for that. And we'll, you know, pitch it to some of these, you know, museums or galleries and stuff. She was like, oh, I think you just take yourself too seriously. And I was like, too seriously? I'm like, slavery is some serious stuff, girl. Like, what are you talking about? So we go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I'm seeing she's not, either she's not listening or she's not hearing or she don't understand. But I'm thinking like, okay. I say, you know what? I say, I'll, I say, I'll do the slave chic after we do Holocaust chic. Her whole demeanor dropped. That's not cool. I said, what you mean is not cool? You want to do slave chic? I said, let's do um, let's do Holocaust chic first. Let's get that one off, that little fashion idea. I was like, we can get, you know, a little, you know, a little chamber and like have people be in front of there like burning bodies and, you know what I'm saying? We can make it, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? It can make, make it real fresh. She was like, pipe, that's terrible. I can't believe you say something like that. I said, what you mean I can't, that I say something like that? That's what you're saying about. My heritage, my people, what are you saying? And she was just like, that's not what I'm saying. And it's not the same. I was like, it is the same. She was like, you know, six million Jews were killed. I was like, girl, they don't even have an accurate number of the millions of Africans that didn't make it. Of the millions of Africans that are sitting at the bottom of the oceans Of the millions of Africans who, you know, were enslaved over hundreds of years, over several hundreds of years. I'm like, and also too, slavery was a holocaust.
3: In many ways.
2: And she was like, oh, no it wasn't. And me and her go back and forth about how slavery was a holocaust. And either she didn't she didn't want to accept it or whatever. But I'm telling you right there. And then she she was done. Like we were done as friends. Done. Like we couldn't reconcile it. And I wasn't budging because I was like, how dare you say that slavery was not a Holocaust? I'm like, it was. And she was just like, I can't believe that you'll equate slavery to the Holocaust. (laughs) I was like, I can't believe that you
3: can't. Or that it even has to be like that has to even be a perspective, like why can't it be two different time frames in history or that reflect some something similar and even No, it happened.
2: was a holocaust
3: like it was a it was a it was for sure a holocaust, yeah, but, so i mean I, like, I just yeah. get tired of like a there was a lady on Tuesday at the bar who wanted to you know her way of she's she seems like a type of person that's around a lot of black people and she's giving back to the city of Detroit and she's, you know, doing things with the kids and in schools and an educator, but she still pedestaled her heritage in a way that was, that could be perceived as um, the looting, the, the struggle of sl- slavery, like saying like Armenians were, you know, were persecuted. And did you know that at one point these soldiers were captured in, these African soldiers were let low. Did, did you know that? Did you know these Africans, they let these African soldiers go? Like they let them go? As in, not all of your history is plagued with negativity. So,
2: it's not about our, so your whole history being plagued with negativity. It's about honor, honor that this is the, that this is a a truth that we're talking about right 100%. here and right now. 100%. Just honor that, you mm-hmm. know. But with that, I will say, I hope that the Harriet film centers reparations, mm-hmm. right? Centers the reparations conversation. I think it's good that it came out right now, before the, you know, before the election next year, so that, you know, hopefully a reparations conversation is taken a little bit seriously. I'm going to read something. And after I read that, I'm going to just connect this also to the reason that I didn't pay to see the film is because Comcast currently is in litigation with Byron Allen or Byron Allen has a lawsuit against Comcast. And one of the things that's being used is the civil rights act of 1866, which in the first sentence, in the first paragraph talks about who's a citizen and who isn't. Mm. But before I get into that, I wanted to um tell you that I um I recently started working with an organization and it's called um Black Women's Blueprint. Mm. As recently so this organization, remember when I told you that I went to um DC about a month ago? Yeah. And we did this march for black women. And About was, the drums, yes, and it was so beautiful. That's a couple episodes ago. It was so beautiful. We marched through the streets of um, DC and we had um, tea light candles. It was so, I just remember it was beautiful. Oh, so gorgeous! It sounds beautiful too. We did ritual and um, honored um, many black women who went through the portal of slavery, and you know, they passed out vials of blood. Not sure if it was real blood or not, but it looked like it. And then we took the vials and each one of us like poured the blood into the ground and then said the names of, you know, various women ancestors, right? And it was about 60 to 100 people and then just name after name after name. It was powerful. Mm. And um, one of our African sisters from Mozambique that was there Mm. put her hands on the ground and spoke to the ground and you know, bless the earth, and then we just, it was just, it was powerful. It sounds like it too. So, you know, I just reached out, you know, after that, because, man, people were, over this four days, like, we had healers there, we were doing a lot of deep work, a lot of training, and a lot of stuff, a lot of trauma and stuff was coming up, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, people were crying, people were digging deep, people were, it was a lot of tension around lots of different things at Mm. this, you know, but um, for me, I feel that was a good thing because I feel like getting to the root of trauma is like really good. And you could just feel like a lot of that stuff was like real deep. And Mm. even myself, like when I finished the ritual and I went back to my hotel room I went to go take a bath. Mm-hmm. I took my bath and ran my bath water. And I was in the bath water probably like 15 minutes. And like my body just started crying. Like mm-hmm. I just started crying. I cried such a deep cry that I cried for like maybe a few hours. Wow. And I cried from maybe like around ten ten thirty until like 130 in the morning. Wow deep hard cry and i was like wow and i feel like maybe i you know because i'm an empath so i was thinking maybe i picked up some energy from some of my ancestors and i let some of that go i don't know you know what i'm saying like but i but i do know that after that i felt like i had run like laps you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah and i just felt really light and i felt really good and i was like wow it was just it was powerful yo i let some stuff go some deep 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 childhood trauma mm-hmm. some stuff that was probably stuck down in there i was like woo and um so there was that it was powerful powerful so after that i was like contacting different folks that had been there mm-hmm. and one of the people i contacted Was the executive director of Black Women's Blueprint. Okay. And we just hit it off and we talking and they're doing this whole Harriet campaign. What? What does that mean? Talk to me. She is Harriet and reclaiming Harriet. And that's the campaign. Okay. And so. That's dope. Is 100 black women and just naming what they do and how they're continuing Harriet's legacy.
3: It's funny that you say that because remember how I said I had like a second question for you? Yeah. Like I was just wondering like what you think about like not the movie version, but just like with Harriet Tubman and like I told you my perspective of her, but your perspective of her with your roots of learning about your and you know, it's been you've been you've you've been well taught and you've 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 taken the time to invest in yourself and how you perceive our history as well. So what do you feel like the maturation of black women is when you start with Harriet Tubman or where, what, what things do you think about? What things do you connect when you're able to go back and see what is that? 1849, a woman being in slavery, leaving, coming back and being motherly, being protective, having foresight, using wisdom, trusting the unknown, trusting herself, and doing things for other people, like what, 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 like what kind of things run through your mind when you look at the modern day black woman and the things that women
2: like that group that you're in or that you're, you know, you're dealing with are doing. I'm gonna use a term that I learned recently, and I love it, mm-hmm. and it's called liberation technology.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And Harriet was applying liberation technology.
3: Mm. What do you mean? to Explain.
2: So. When we look at ourselves as beings, as spiritual beings. Yes. And we're we're scientists, you know, we're mm-hmm. ancient scientists. We have ancient scientific knowledge, like deep within us. And our bodies are technology, right? Our brains are technology. And so when we, every tool, right, is technology.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: A, a, you know, a pencil is technology, right? So... Everything that we imagine, right, and that we can create, that's our technology. And so liberation technology are these tools and techniques that we employ, right, as a part of our liberation struggle, as a part of our resistance, as a part of our way of being radical mm-hmm. in this world. You know, she, she employed a radical imagination, Mm. and because of her you know being an afrofuturist right she saw our future she saw into our future she ensured that we had a future she she created she created futures for people right yeah and so liberation technologies like the underground railroad cre- creating mm. if you've ever been detroit was the last stop on the Underground Railroad. And Harriet was a conductor on the Underground Railroad. I recently went to Florida, Miami. That was the beginning of the mm-hmm. Underground Railroad. I recently went to Minnesota. That And I told you I got to go to the Mississippi River. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know it went up to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Got a chance to touch it. It was so cold. Got a chance to look at it and thought, wow, our ancestors, they call it the Nile, right? Of the West, because it runs upstream. And I got a chance to have a vision, you know, and did a little ritual by the tree. But I got a chance to have a vision while wow, our ancestors made it up that river to Canada. Through Detroit to Canada. From Florida. From, you know... New York from you know because New York had slavery right New Hampshire had slavery all up and down the East Coast had slavery we'd like to say that only the South you know it was only in the South it was everywhere Yeah, had slavery and so folks made it right and they made it through having these songs these songs these spirituals these so called Negro spirituals that's liberation technology messages inside of The lyrics, you know, Um, also too, you know, using the elements, right? Knowing the elements, like the North Star, understanding astrology, right? I'm sorry, astronomy, understanding astronomy, right? Well, astrology too, (laughs) but understanding astronomy, you know, and being able to follow, right? the big dipper and a little dipper understanding what that means right that's the dogon Mm. you know being able to you know have whole conversations without talking telepathy you know being spiritual she had a head injury and she had visions and things like that you know that made her a little different right and that that's how she talked to god and you know, she was a very spiritual person, very connected. Um, so, all the medicine that she used, right, to bring folks, you know, from bondage. Um, we look at, right, like, if you go through these tours of the Underground Railroad into some of these churches, into some of these homes, into some of these places... If you, you know, a couple of them you could, like, you know, crawl through, right? Mm-hmm. And if you've ever been down in there, like the little cubby hole and stuff like that, it's so tiny, right? Mm-hmm. It's so tiny. Think of what our people had to go through just to make it, just to be here. They made it because they. They envision us in the future. Harriet envisioned us in the future right here, right now. She saw us. She saw us through. She envisioned us in the future. And so there are people throughout time who have been continuing that type of legacy, right? Envisioning our future. And so the campaign is honoring all these hundred women who envision a future for the next women, for the next people the next generation who are making things, who are working to make things better while they're here, whether it's through policy, through health, through education, Mm -hmm. you know, um, through um, advocacy, activism, being a doula, you know, writing, singing, you know, um, creating films, you know, so, I mean, all these different ways, creating organizations, like, Tarana Burke is one of the people, you know. She's the founder of the Me Too movement. Mm. You know, um, you know, Asia Marie Brown. There's like a hundred women, hundred black women. We'll keep you know talking about them, um, but I think, you know, through this campaign, acknowledging that there is attention with the film and the filmmakers. Uh, and, and we don't know, right? B- because maybe the filmmakers had to compromise in order to get the film made, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I was thinking about that. So there's that. But regardless, right, of intention, we have the reality of things. And so, n- not asking folks to boycott the film because we don't want to boycott black actors and a black director. Like, all this stuff is complex. But... Also, too, acknowledging that there's a lot that we don't agree with in this film. And so with that, you know, reclaiming, right? Reclaiming Harry's legacy. A hundred percent. Yeah. And so and moving it forward. Right. Because mm-hmm. utilizing her legacy to move us into the future.
3: Yeah. She like you said, she is the future. Yeah. There's so many things that she has within her that I'm still building to. And I was. Man centuries ago like so much instilled in her that i'm just like what just the, the foresight like the be the trust her the to be the be to be able to trust your self like that is unreal fearless
2: and well like, let's not say fearless in the sense i'd say brave 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 because we don't know right no that we can look at her actions. Fear is, a, is an emotion, right? True. And so we can't speak True. to what her emotions were, but we can look to what she portrayed. So we can assume that she had some fear, which the filmmaker did and showed a lot of it in the film. But me personally, I would say brave. I like that word better. Let's do brave. Because okay. that's how you act. She acted brave.
3: I like that word too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Harriet, Harriet Tubman is Harriet Tubman is real.
2: Oh my goodness, I'm just like, wow. Like I'm 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 happy that at this moment there's so much talk about her and her legacy mm. and that she's being centered and uplifted. She should be. Now, okay, I'm going to read something to you. Okay. It's a little long. I'm listening. So, Courtney Hunter Is a contributing writer to Mama Black. Mama Black is the blog of Black Women's Blueprint. Okay. This was written on November the 6th. And this is leading the campaign. Okay. It's called Harriet, in quotes, and the misrepresentation of Black radical women. Friday, November 1st, saw the release of director Cassie Lemons' Harriet biopic. Well, some people use the word biopic, right? Mm -hmm. And as expected, a storm of controversy has dominated the public discourse on the film and its representation of, of Tubman's legacy. It became clear early on in the film's development that it would not escape backlash in its opening week. The intense mm. negative reaction it received in response to Lemon's decision to cast Nigerian British actress Cynthia Arrivo in the role of Harriet Tubman foretold trouble from the start. A decision which may not have been as divisive were it not for Arrivo's ghetto American accent comments and ensuing backlash on Twitter. While there is much to be said on the subject of cultural misappropriation mm-hmm. within the diaspora i will not be focusing on that in this article i will instead be focusing on the subject of harriet's legacy and how america chooses to represent the lives of black radicals so this is this is her you know um thoughts right so just keep that in mind I understand Um, The new biopic or biopic takes more than a few liberties with Harriet's story and is described as a mix of fact and fiction by some reviewers. It is true that the existing documentation of the formerly enslaved and their descendants is not always reliable. Sometimes our only recourse is to guess at what the lives may have looked like However, I am not convinced that in 2019, anyone believes that the material used to fill in the blanks for movies such as these is not representative of a specific um, choice on the part of the Mm. film's producers, writers, and directors. Mm. If we look at the history of films about black life released by major studios, whether helmed by black or white directors... The general consensus is that no one involved is about to rock the boat. The individuals in charge of the nation's major media outlets are of wealthy, predominantly white backgrounds and have a vetted interest in portraying slavery as a past mistake that the nation has since corrected, which is, we know this is not true. <laughs> right. And that no current leaders need to be held accountable for it. Um, that, that that no um, current leaders need to be held accountable for. It is for this reason that the few widely released films attempting to retail retell the history of Black American slavery approach the subject through an oddly unreal, dreamlike lens. <laughs> We do not feel in movies like this one or in films like The Help, like Green Book, or even 12 Years a Slave, the severity of a great cosmic rip in reality that began with the transatlantic slave trade. There is no regard for the omnipresence of this terrible event for the fact that it reverberates throughout space-time affecting our past, present, and future. In these films, slavery is an event that occurs in the faraway, almost mythical past mm. to be recited as it from a storybook to a people that are assumed to know nothing of their own history or how they got to this country. There's some more, but did you have anything before I continue? Um, Brittany, you listening? I oh, am. Yeah. Okay. Um, I am not suggesting that everything in the film was invented for the purpose of affirming the national narrative, nor am I arguing against the incredible nature of her life. Mm. In truth, there is much about the lives of our enslaved ancestors that cannot be made legible to a mainstream audience. That's true.
3: I think so, too. That
2: cannot be directly translated even to their present day descendants.
3: You shouldn't want to either.
2: The film's real crime, rather, is its decision to continue in the American film industry's long tradition of revising history into a fairy tale drama about a just and righteous nation that made a few, quote-unquote, mistakes along the way, but ultimately learned its lesson and became a shining beacon of hope to the rest of the world— It creates a narrative of good guys versus bad guys, in which the good guys, and rest assured, these movies always make room for at least one white person, (laughs) uh, right, to play the quote-unquote good role, prevail through logic, kindness, and nonviolent means of resistance. It is notable that Harriet chooses not to shoot her former slave master when given the chance, what is what is it that stops her exactly? Her conscience or the director's fear of alienating white audiences? Mm. Either way, whether the film is celebrated despite its flaws as an example of positive representation, who or what is being represented here? or critique for its lack of artistic merit, its inaccuracies, or other failings, we are left in a state of national amnesia regardless, blind to Harriet's true vision and to what her vision requires. This film is an unfortunate example of the nationalist propaganda we have become all too accustomed to. Truthfully, the film is not really worth critiquing at all. Wow. I agree. However, we still have a reasonably... Responsibility, sorry. To teach the history of radical black women to current and future generations and foster a level of media literacy to aid them in reading films such as these with the critical eye. Um, So... What do you think about that so far, Brittany?
3: I mean, sounds like you wrote it. <laughs>
2: it does, based on what <laughs> whoa! You're I saying. wish I could write this great. I
3: Woo-hoo, mean, she's great. You broke it down to a lifetime movie with the C. That sounds like she sounds a little bit more upset about it than you do, but in a sense of like you stating that they they
2: sugar coated it. Hmm. Um. Here are some of the facts of Harriet's life that were either left out of the film or treated as secondary to the fictions created. Harriet traveled mostly during the winter, as her group would be less likely to be spotted in the colder months. In order to escape safely with the fugitives, she incorporated a wide array of strategies, including disguises, knowledge of how to read the stars and other natural indicators of place, and specific songs to alert the others of either danger or safety. Each campaign was carefully plotted and she did not go places where she did not know anyone or know the landscape. She sometimes bribed people. She carried a small pistol with her mm-hmm. that she was not afraid to use either on slave catchers or on escaped slaves threatening to turn back. She attempted twice to free her husband, John. He rebuked her both times. Mm-hmm. This is evidence to suggest John threatened to turn her in when informed of her first plan of escape, and it gives like a link. She retained a network of family members, free black agents, Quakers, and abolitionists who proved her access to who provided her access to safe houses and other resources she needed on her journey. Mm. Despite her support network, she often invested her own money into the escapes and was constantly working in order to sustain the cost of her trips. She refined her techniques over the course of eight years before the outbreak of the Civil War. And in those years, as the slave catchers extended their reach into and across the American North, Mm -hmm. was constantly innovating with her role as a conductor of the Underground Railroad. I use the word innovator here specifically because I do not want to disregard the planning and organizing involved in Harriet's work. The dictionary defines innovator as one who creates or introduces something new. It is a word synonymous with descriptors such as creator or groundbreaker. It is a word that implies action. Harriet had the dream of freedom in her mind for years before knowing what freedom looked like and discovered the path to that elusive dream when she finally freed herself. Her life's work became the creation of recreation of that path for others. Harriet Tubman did not, and could not, as an individual, achieve full emancipation from state violence, from capitalism, and from global anti-blackness for every black person on her journeys. What she and so many black radical women like her did was provide us the tools with which we can turn our collective dream of freedom into a reality. Mm -hmm. It is now our responsibility to reclaim that radical imagination, and in doing so, reclaim our own futures. What you think about that, Brittany? Man. Powerful. Yeah, that's pretty powerful. Man. I mean... (coughs) That's on the Mama Black blog, um, which is about feminism in conversation with global women's resistance. And the name of the article is um, Harriet, in quotes, and the misrepresentation of black radical women that is um, Courtney Hunt, written by Courtney Hunter. Shout out to you, Courtney Hunter. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That was beautiful. She's a great writer, right? Yeah, she is. She, she fired me up a little. Okay, now something that I got to read to you. We're going to move from this. You got anything else on Harriet? I don't think so. So if you, if you live in Detroit and you're like, I'm going to go see this movie. I don't care. Um, go to Cinema Detroit because it's an independent theater in Detroit. They are showing the film. And if you're going to go and pay your money to see the film, I mean, I really don't want you to, but if you just got to go see it, please go to this independent theater um, and support them. You know what I'm saying? They're in the city, Cinema Detroit. You know, they're showing the film. They're showing some other films too, but, you know, if you're going to go see it, then go see it at least at an independent theater. So now I want to switch topics. Um, I want to say... Oh, well before I switch topics, let me just remind folks black women's blueprint is doing is running this campaign. she is Harriet and reclaiming Harriet, so look on social media for the campaign um you know uplifting a hundred black women, and I'm really honored mm. uh to be you know supporting uh that campaign and working with them so shouts out to them, really, really appreciate them um yeah, messing with me, you know what I'm saying, thank you. <laughs> Um, you are Harriet. Oh, I will take it. I will take it. Mm-hmm. Actually, that was my nickname in the fashion industry because okay. I used to cause a ruckus about getting black women and black men um, gigs. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. So now I'm gonna switch to something that we gotta focus on. Um. And we're gonna focus on this. But uh, okay, did you get a chance? To, um, look at the, uh, civil, well, the Byron Allen case. Um, I saw that it was going on, but I don't, I can't speak to it. Okay. Um, so where do I even begin? All right. Um, I'm gonna go, so... Byron Allen has a uh, a case, you know, he um has been, you know, uh working on and litig- and uh, his case is being litigated currently, it's an open case. And um he's suing Comcast, right? And so with that, um you know i mean oh my god it's so much but i'm trying like not to make the show like 50 million years long but uh but with that um part of his litigation is um it includes this civil rights act of 1866 okay right um and so basically you know our um I'm gonna cut to the chase and say our, our our civil rights are under attack. So Byron Allen did an interview on the Breakfast Club, and when he went on the Breakfast Club, um, if you go on there, just you know, he was talking about economic empowerment in the Black community, but you know him being uh, a you know a media mogul, billionaire and um, owner of, you know, the Weather Channel and, uh, you know, his own network and just putting out, you know, shows, uh, you know, for some decades and just, you know, being a media, you know, a, a black-owned media, you know, person. Um, you know, he is working to secure, right, um, the rights right, and so long story short, Comcast is basically trying to prevent that, you know, prevent him from being able to um maximize on his power and ownership right mm-hmm. um so so basically the 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 original Civil rights Act. Is the Civil Rights Act of 1866, and it 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 it, it protected newly freed slaves um, by ensuring fair government and commercial contracting. Okay, mm-hmm. and so um, Byron Allen is the he's the CEO of Entertainment Studios, and Entertainment Studios is a parent company of the Weather Channel and the Grio. And I don't know if y'all read the real, but yeah. So he recently sued Comcast, right? In a $20 billion civil rights lawsuit. And um, he, and so Byron Allen, excuse me, um, had appealed to the Ninth Circuit using the Civil Rights Act of 1866 against um, comcast disproportionate funding of black networks and in a quote um it says the industry spends billions a year licensing cable networks while african-american-owned media gets zero and that's not fair right so this is what he told angela yee Tha god and dj envy right so when the ninth circuit upheld Allen's appeal twice, Comcast took the case to the Supreme Court, making it a legal argument that threatened the very purpose of the Civil Rights Act of 1866. So that argument looks to interpret the law so that it can be used if racial discrimination, get this, is 100% of the reason that a business is being discriminatory. So, if even 1% of the discrimination is perceived to have come from a non-racial standpoint, then businesses will not necessarily be held accountable for most racist practices. You get that? I do. So, multiple civil rights organizations have voiced their support um, in this brief. Right. So it's like the NAACP, the Urban League, um, the Color of Change, um, National Association of Black Journalists, which is the NABJ, and several members of the Congressional Black Caucus, um, which was an organization founded in 71 by the legendary late Congressman John Conyers of Michigan. Hey. And other elected black officials to advocate for shared political interests have all signed. This amicus brief defending the Civil Rights Act of 1866. So according to Deadline, which is a publication, among those who have lent their voice in the protest include presidential candidates and senators Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, representatives Ayanna Pressley, Karen Bass, Joyce Beatty. Um, And non-Congressional Black Caucus members such as Senator Richard Blumenthal and Ron Wyden. Um, They've all signed on to the brief as well. So, quote, as members of Congress, Amici have a strong interest in ensuring that the laws Congress has passed are interpreted in a manner that is consistent with their text history, and Congress's plan in passing them. And that says um, the brief file by the CBC, the Congressional Black Caucus, the statute at issue is in the case, which is 42 U.S.C. 1981, was passed immediately after the Civil War as part of a broader effort to ensure that the newly freed slaves enjoyed the same rights as other citizens. The brief continued, this court should not rewrite Section 1981 and disturb the vital protections that Congress passed that statute to provide. So while Congressional Black Caucus is incredibly large and wide-ranging, Allen noted that it includes members who did not sign the brief, such as Representatives Maxine Waters, John Lewis and Ilhan Omar. He then issued a call to action to Black Americans to hold this, the um, Congressional Black Caucus members who did not sign the brief accountable by contacting their offices directly. So the remaining membership that needs to sign this brief includes Alma Adams in North Carolina, Colin Allard in Texas, Sanford Bishop. In Georgia, Lisa Blunt Rochester in Delaware, Anthony Brow in Maryland, G.K. Butterfield in North Carolina, Andre Carson in Indiana, William Lacey Clay Jr., Missouri, Emmanuel Cleaver in Missouri, Jim Clyburn in South Carolina, Danny Davis in Illinois, Antonio Delgado in New York, Val Demings in Florida, Dwight Evans in Pennsylvania, Marsha Fudge in Ohio, Al Green in Texas, Al C. Hastings in Florida, Johanna Hayes in Connecticut, Stephen Horseford in Nevada, Hakeem Jeffries in New York, Eddie Bernice Johnson in Texas, Hank Johnson in Georgia, Robin Kelly in Illinois, Brenda Lawrence hey. in Michigan, you need to sign this bill, boo. Mm. Brenda Lawrence in Michigan, we need to call and tell Brenda Lawrence, you need to sign this bill, mama. Please, Brenda. All right, Al Lawson in Florida. Sheila Jackson Lee in Texas. You know Sheila Jackson Lee was the one put bringing forth the reparations legislation. Um, Lucy McBath in Georgia. Donald McEachin in uh, Virginia. Gregory Meeks in New York. Gwen Moore in Wisconsin. Joe Neguse in Colorado. Eleanor Holmes Norton in D.C. Stacy Plaskett in in Virgin Islands. Cedric Richmond in Louisiana. Bobby Rush in Illinois. David Scott in Georgia. Terry Sewell in Alabama. Benny Thompson in Missouri. Lauren Underwood, Illinois. Mark Vesey in Texas. And Frederick Wilson in Florida. So they got the links to the... Um, Byron Allen, you know, um, um, interview on um the Breakfast Club, you know, inside of here, as well as um, you know, uh, just the the brief explanation, but long story short, if we were to pull up, um, can you, Brittany, pull up the um, Civil Rights Act? Of eighteen sixty six? Yes. Pull that up right quick. And let's see um what that says. Civil Rights Act of 1866. hmm Alright, what does it say? Can you read it? You don't have to read the whole thing, but just read like a little bit of it.
3: I'm trying to see it where it's not given a
2: summary of it and it just is it. The bill itself. Yeah. You know what? You could pull up the Wikipedia. And then, you know, folks know um, that they need to look that up. Right? Yeah. The Civil Rights Act of 1866 was
3: passed by Congress on 9th of April 1860 to 1866 over the veto of President Andrew Johnson. The Act declared that all persons born in the
2: United States were now citizens without. Don't read concern. so fast, because people are listening to you. Okay. Don't don't read in your head. So read a little slower. Okay. So people could hear what you're saying.
3: The Act declared that all persons born in the United States were now citizens without
2: regard to race, color, or previous condition. Hold up. Read that entire thing up to that point one more time. The Civil Rights Act of
3: 1866 was passed by Congress on April 9th of 1866 over the veto of president Andrew Johnson. The act declared that all persons born in the United States were now citizens without regard to race, color or previous condition.
2: Who did, who are they talking about? Who are they talking about? Black people. Keep going.
3: As citizens, They could make and enforce contracts, sue and be sued, give evidence in court, and inherit, purchase, lease, sell, hold, or convey real and personal property.
2: All of which they previously could not do. Legally. Correct. Keep it going.
3: Persons who denied the rights to former slaves were guilty of misdemeanor. Hold up. Go back again. Read that. Persons who denied the right to former slaves were guilty of a misdemeanor and upon conviction faced a fine not exceeding $1, a $1,000 pris- or imprisonment not exceeding one year or both. The activities of organizations such as the Ku Klux Klan undermined the working of this act, and it failed to guarantee the civil rights of
2: African Americans. So, even though it failed to guarantee the rights, this is the... First Civil Rights Act. And so let's go to the uh, let's go to the Fourteenth Amendment. Right? Okay. Okay. Let's look at this fourteenth Amendment. Okay. Uh, do do. Where's our Fourteenth Amendment? Okay. What year is the 14th Amendment? Let's see. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You don't see it? One second. Yeah. Okay. You don't see it, Britt? Yeah, I see it. Okay, what year? Uh,
3: let's see
2: here. 14th Amendment... Something a little slow Let's see. It's mm-hmm. like 1868. Okay, which is two years after this Civil Rights Bill, right? Yes. Okay. So, what's the? Do you know? Okay. So, um, now the Fourteenth Amendment. You got it up? I do. Okay. Somewhat. Um, is it a summary? Yes. Okay. So, go ahead and read about this Fourteenth Amendment.
3: The 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution ratified in 1868 granted citizenship to all persons born or naturalized in the United States, including former slaves, and guaranteed all citizens equal protection
2: of the laws. So the 14th Amendment, right, they created that because we weren't, well, not because, but let's just say what we've learned in school. Is that they created the 14th Amendment because the Civil Rights Act of 1866, although if you, you know, when you read it, it looks like we are completely covered under that, right? Mm-hmm. But it didn't cover us. So this 14th Amendment covers us. Got you. Somewhat. Because they still had to come in 1964, right? Mm-hmm. Now let's go to the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Let's see what that, what did that one do? Because there still was a fifteenth. because there still was like 13, 14, 15, right? There's still so many amendments. Um, you know what? Let's pull up, pull up the 15th Amendment right quick. Just um, pull up that 15th Amendment. What does that one say? Right. Let's look at that one. That's the one they're using to try to. That's the one they're trying to tear down to get um, immigrants. That's the one they're going after. The fifteenth. What is the What is the fifteenth talking about?
3: The Fifteenth Amendment to the Constitution granted granted African American men the right to vote by declaring that the right of citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state of account of race, color or previous condition of servitude.
2: All right, and keep going a little bit. Or do you, what, what else do you have?
3: Looks like the 15, through the use of poll taxes, literacy tests, and other means, southern states were able to effectively ditch disenfranchise African Americans. It would take away the passage of Voting Rights Acts of 1965 before the majority of the African American in the South were registered to vote. Mhm. Give me one more. I'm gonna get a look at one more thing. Mhm. It wasn't until the Voting Act of 1965 that legal barriers were outlawed and that the state. In local levels, if they deny blacks their right to vote underneath the Fifteenth Amendment, wow, it's crazy.
2: So, um, if you go um down, right? Uh, so this this one actually, so yeah, so this one actually. Um, if you look like a little bit down here, um, it says, uh, I'll just read this part here. It says by, um, 1869, right? Amendments, uh, had, wait. So by 1869, amendments had passed, been to abolish slavery and provided citizenship to, uh, an equal protection under the law. But the election of Ulysses S. Grant to the presidency in 1868 convinced the majority of Republicans that protecting the franchise of black male voters was important for the party's future. What does that look like? Say that again. Long story short, the Republican Party was like, we got to secure the black male vote. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. What does that look like?
3: Them securing the blackmail vote?
2: That looks like 2019. Yeah. That's the whole, like, Kanye, Candace Owens, right? What we going through right now, right? That's the same strategy. Yes or no? Um, Piper.
3: I mean, yes or no? Why are you say no? Because, I mean, I mean, I feel like
2: that's every election. No. They have never cared about black male voters.
3: They haven't? Hecky no. So where did the money come from for Voter Die? Listen. I'm just, I'm just asking. Who did that come from? Who, who sponsored Voter Die? Let's look die? it up. Let's
2: look it up. Because I'm not about to sit here and tell you I know. The point I'm saying is they have never cared about. I'm talking about the Republican Party
3: specifically the Republican Party, yeah, okay, I'll give you that,
2: yeah, the Republican Party has never cared well let me let me say this: when have we seen evidence of them caring about the black male voter? why well, we looked that up, so look, we're still looking up voter who, yeah, okay, look up who who was the funder, but when have we ever um you know uh seen Republican party like this invested i mean yeah
3: it's it's yeah i I draw the comparison,
2: no, I'm asking, okay, yeah, okay, um do 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 let's see what this means, so all right um mm, so okay, so basically, voter die right uh, came out of Citizen Change, which was a political service group. It was founded by P. Diddy and backed by Mary J. Blige, Mariah Carey, 50 Cent. So the stated aim was to get young people in, they're using the word minorities, to vote. Um, The campaign's message promoted on t-shirts and other things, vote or die, which was a phrase adopted from Join or Die, a well-known cartoon by Benjamin Franklin. So P. Diddy said at the time that its mission was to make voting hot and sexy. A 2004 campaign included a line of Voter Die t-shirts, an album, a voter registration push in cities and campuses nationwide and commercials on such outlets as MTV and BET. Um, In 2008, did he invoke the phrase Obama or die at the 2008 BET Awards? So this is the thing. When have we seen such interest in black male voter turnout as we've been seeing, or young black voter turnout for the Republican Party, as we've seen with the whole kanye Candace Owens thing? I mean probably not as much but i mean it makes sense to why i mean no i'm not saying like a why i'm just saying it, we have that it. we've
3: seen it we haven't since the since since this i would say
2: they they correlate right so i mean very interesting it is um so then um if we go over here okay and then let's look at right the civil rights act of right um 1964 right so let's um so pull that one up and tell me what was that one civil rights act of 1964 right so what does that one say the Civil Rights Act of 1964.
3: Is a landmark civil rights and labor law in the United States that outlaws outlaws discrimination based on race, color, religion, sex, or national origin. It prohibits unequal application of voter registration requirements and racial segregation in schools, employment, and public accommodations.
2: Real quick, Betsy DeVos got a piece of legislation passed um, that says that Children do not have the right to education. So that just got passed. All right. Mm-hmm. So we're, look, we just saw four pieces of legislation that say the same exact thing. Is it you or is it me? Do they not say the same exact thing? They all
3: say almost the same exact thing. All 40s. Yeah, they do.
2: How many times did they say? I was say, literally just thinking that. All, all 40s say the same, same thing. thing. Yeah, they do. There's also the 13th. There's also, I mean, shoot, man. Pretty much most, there's so many pieces of legislation, right? Look at how many pieces of legislation are put in place just for us to, to quote unquote legally have rights. That we don't even get, you know what I'm saying, like, that get violated. Let's just put it that way. But I'll say at the very least, there's at least some laws there. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Basically, what they're trying to do, if they can go back, right, and tear down. Now, you see how it goes, right? They had the Civil Rights Act of 1866. Now, you see, they had to go back two years later and give us the 14th. You see this, right? Then they had to go back and give us the 15th. Then they had to go and give us... then then, Then, you know, our grandparents and stuff was like, wait a minute. And they had to go and give us this one in 1964. And there's so many others in between. But my thing is, right... My thing is, how many pieces of legislation say the same exact thing? It's like they have to keep going back and going back and going back, right? Because what keeps happening is, because the law is flexible, and because of the system we're in, they find a loophole. Then they'll be like, oh, we could do racism this way. And then you got to keep coming back like, nope, you can't do racism that way. Here goes some legislation. Bow. Long story short, if they could go back in time, back, 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 mm-hmm. and tear down this Civil Rights Act of 1866, what does that do to all these other pieces of legislation if they're, if they're based on that? Ding, 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 ding. I'm waiting. What do you mean you're waiting? I mean... Girl, if you go back to the origin... You never seen them, them movies when it's like, you know, if, 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 wasn't it Sarah Connor? If you can what's <laughs> that, The Terminator? You know what I'm saying? He going around the future looking for Sarah Connor. That's what they doing right now. They looking for Sarah Connor. This is RoboCop, yo. The Terminator or whatever it is, The Terminator. Going around looking for um Sarah Connor. You don't think so? I
3: don't doubt it. Oh my God! I mean, Piper, <laughs> what what do you what
2: what do you think is like not to agree with?
3: No, I don't disagree. Oh,
2: okay, because I'm like, that's what they're doing right now. They're looking for Sarah Connor. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Man, know, you saw but, the Terminator, right? Uh, yes, but I'm just laughing. Remember in the Terminator when he was going around, he looked up all them Sarah Connors in the um, phone book, and he was like Sarah Connor, and then. That was how he was trying to go back in time. You see what I'm saying? And kill old boy when he was a kid. And this is what they're trying to do to us and our rights. They're trying to go back in time, get rid of this Civil Rights Act of 1866, nullify that joint, because that right there guarantees everybody equal rights and citizenship and that old thing. And from there, that's how you tear just tear the fabric out that joint. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's how you wipe all. Of, that's how you can start wiping the rest of them out. Ping, 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 ping. It's like in a video game. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Anyway, this this is very serious. We've got to fight against this and and all the people that I name. You know what I'm saying? Y'all need to call these people. They live in your state. We need to call Brenda Lawrence. But everybody, I agree, call these people in your state and tell them this some BS. You're not taking our rights. This is bigger than capitalism and your check, and you're gonna lose your rights anyway, I'm getting excited, but
3: no, I love it. I this mean, is
2: exciting.
3: no, it is I mean, I don't know piper it's it's so much that I mean I know you you are prolific and you see things different than a lot of people, and I trust that that's like one of the biggest things that I trust about you. Is your vision and you being able to, to 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 excuse me to decipher, um, just in a stage where there's so much going on around us that I have to protect myself spiritually, mentally, and I don't I don't I don't uh it's not that I'm not saying that I need to be more aware because I mean I obviously do need to be more aware. I've had a couple. Busy weeks where I haven't it hasn't given me the opportunity to dig into patterns and what's going on in the mainstream media, but I don't know. I think that I think that our beings are I don't know as 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 who we are. Think we're more powerful than than what we give ourselves credit for, and this system is not meant for us.
2: And regardless it, of the system, not meant for us. We in it.
3: I agree with that.
2: And we can't, you can't, you can't, you can't close your eyes and be like, y'all not, you, nobody sees me. I'm not. Okay. That's all I'm saying. Can't be the ostrich and put your head in the sand.
3: No, no, I'm not doing that.
2: Okay. I'm not doing that or suggesting that
3: anyone does that. But I do think that there's a balance. And I do think that when we have someone um, that is fighting for our existence, the way that he is, I think that it's it's important that we give him that good energy.
2: I do I do. Who is that. he? Um, the Byron. Yeah. That Byron's a piece. He's one person. This is one piece. This is just one little I fight. Yeah. I understand. This is just one fight. I understand. It's a huge fight and we all got to get in it. I'm with it. It's one piece, but it's a huge thing. I understand. And if people don't believe this, and, and, and I really hope That we can fight against this. This is a big one. I mean, and this right here, this is that part of the movie. When you're watching a movie and then like the monster comes Mm -hmm. and everybody's like, why don't they do this? And then everyone's like, oh, I need to go on sabbatical. I need to do my self-care. Like I need to be, you know, paid to do revolution work. Like, don't get me wrong. We all need to be valued, Right for our labor i'm not suggesting that we don't be valued for our labor but the revolution is not coming you understand what i'm saying Mm -hmm. with a vacation package maybe some people's revolution coming with a vacation package because some of these activists out here getting paid but what i'm saying is that this fight that we're in like this is not the sexy part of the revolution yo this is not that sexy part. This that hard part. This that work. Like, when we say, oh, it's got to work, work, work. We need y'all to get on that phone and call your mm. representative. I just gave all the names. If you missed it, like, rewind or you can go on to, you know what I'm saying, the um, article. And the article um, is in the GRIO, G-R-I-O. And you just look up Byron Allen, well, Civil Rights Act of... Um, 1866 and griot and it it gives you all the representatives and their names and what you need to do so you know there's action steps in this very simple actions like picking up a phone you know what i'm saying like um yeah so there's that and then um yeah i mean we've been talking for a long time so it's all good we're gonna get I ready get it. out of here i um, do want
3: to i do want to mention um it's hip hop history month, right? Indeed, it is. And I was thinking, by the end of the month, we should uh, maybe we should create our own versions of our top ten or fifteen rappers.
2: Yeah, let's do it. You want to? Mm hmm. You know? So we'll, we'll we'll work on that. All right. Yeah. Um. So with that, um, just want to remind folks every Tuesday, um, M- Piper Carter and um, Drake Pfeiffer of Urban Organic and Kendra Parker and the legendary DJ Stacy Hot Wax. We are hosting every Tuesday at the Willis Show Bar from 6 p.m. until 1 a.m. And I am DJing as DJ Peace Pipe from 6 p.m. until 8 p.m. for the after work set. So y'all want to come through because I play. I dig deep, I digs deep, and I play funk and soul, rare grooves. Um, Stacey plays house music, you know the pedigree. Drake, from Drake you might hear anything, you know what I'm saying, from soul to house to funk to jazz. I, I spend some jazz too. We had a, a really wonderful special guest. Shouts out to Brandon Williams, who came through a special guest DJ. So we have guest DJs. We'll have some live performances sometimes. We had a wonderful vegan pop up from this amazing <laughs> uh, restaurant, that <laughs> uh, r- rolling restaurant, uh, mobile restaurant. Thank you, Piper. Called It's Food Detroit. Headed by Brittany March and Miss Su and um, your mom. mom, yeah, for sure, my mom. Right? Yeah, so amazing! Shout the out food. to the Black Cocoa Bakes too, Brie. What's up? Yeah, she had the vegan cheesecake, and y'all had all the vegan food tasting so delicious. So. That was a great crowd. It was a great crowd, they right? Tried
3: food. They were nervous
2: about it, and they gave us good feedback. It was packed. Like people came packed. out. Yeah. That was dope. Um, it's free cover. You know, like free to get in um craft cocktails i don't drink liquor but they make some wonderful non-alcoholic craft cocktails as well so i'm trying all types of stuff they got fresh fruit they carve it up it looks all cute and everything um fresh juices fresh everything it was amazing um what else and that's every tuesday um and then you know there's uh some other surprises in there. So, yeah, check us out, check us out, check us out. Also to listen to the Piper Carter podcast as often as you can so you can hear all of your political and hip hop news and events and um check us out on social media. You know, go to the website, the detroitisdifferent.net and you can listen to all of the shows um or just check out some shows that you might be interested in, you know um that are on the network and check us out on social media. Everything Detroit is different. And check out me on social media. Everything is Piper Carter. So um this has been, you know, an interesting conversation that we had. Um, we're gonna continue a lot of these subjects. We went through a little bit of more like database today. Um, we'll see how y'all like that. I know I like database shows because I like to learn. Um, and just, you know, keep supporting the show. We appreciate you. And, um, and the, pretty soon we're going to move to a live format. So we're going to see how that works. i um, going to reach out to folks and try to get them to watch the live, the live format of the show. So, um, Looking forward to that Alright so this has been Piper Carter And Detroit is different And keep listening to the Piper Carter podcast And we'll see you next week Peace Remember to
0: like, share, subscribe and always listen on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Store and Spotify. You're listening to the Detroit is Different podcast network. You can consume it in way better. the film too advanced to be auto corrected out the rapper other alphabet resurrected. Restrected. And scrabble boards aren't safe Running on these tracks like Florence drifting on the chase One limb explodes like Florence drifting in the race It takes less than two when I'm robbing on this base Huh. See, I'm easy rocking Be easy with this team like you straight out of Compton One project away like you straight out of Tompkins Legal evil, fly or god, he's on the are just mocking Brain, pin pad, loafing, board, lips These other female rappers out here talking with their hips These misguided gangsters out here talking with their clips While these devils copyright, grab the cash and then they zip They try to stack us up and slay boats that don't float Penitentiary surrounded by a moat It's mental, you can tie a lion with a rope And it'll stay right there if he murder all his hope but I got the antidote that would we'll free these slaves and make runaway masters back in the days When that turn away, everything, that's the doctrine i show them off my legs when I'm dressed down in stockings Now convince me your life matters when that violence starts to move in the counterclockwise pattern they hit the with a line, control their minds, confuse their hearts Their power will die, gentrify their art, gentrify their block in their hearts. Then protest beside them, this is what's such a farce Next we're we'll them into, mother nature's bastards That way they won't survive when we start coming out, blasting Have them boost their melanin, tell them nasty fashion Take their edge and the edges, have them sew those tracks in If they sew what they will reap, it'd be hard to wake them up once they put it to sleep Y'all like rappers that keep you stupid Who aren't brave enough to lose their life over music Scared to teach you righteous cause they're scared to be poor And cowards die off You all live elsey lore, elsey lore, elsey lore, elsey lore, elsey lore, elsey lore, elsey lore,